This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. This is Rachel Turner for the Parenting for Faith podcast, and it's good to talk to you. I'm so sorry I missed a week. I had gallstones. (laughs) Gallstones. It was an adventure. I have to say it was an adventure. I thought I was dying, but no, I just had a little stone the size of a pea and a little organ that I don't really understand. So that was exciting, and I missed a week, but I'm so glad to join you now. Uh, It is Christmas, everyone, and I don't know about you, but I am a Christmas freak. My house looks like Christmas Disneyland. I love Christmas so much, and so I really wanted to do a Christmas subject to kick us off in December, and so I thought about Advent, and one of my friends is a vicar, and uh, he uh, is very wise, and I thought I'd have him talk about Advent, and he and his wife are those people, you know, you have those people in your life who are way smarter than you, and you always just love learning from them, and so I was interviewing them uh, about Advent, and they, they, in conversation, began to talk about something really interesting interesting and how they handled Advent that I had never heard before. So I wanted to share it with you. Um, Everybody has their own sort of Advent, you know, sort of approach. And their Advent approach is really interesting because they really focus on the coming of Jesus uh, and how... um, how he comes into, he came into the world and how he's coming into our lives. And I wanted you to hear um, what they've set up in their family to talk about Jesus coming. Yeah, so every day during December, they have a Chris. well, it takes different forms, but this year it's in stars. And so they have, each child has a a series of star stickers. And every day on each of their star, they're praying for somebody that they know or love, that they'll meet with Jesus in a certain situation, that the Holy Spirit will come. So it might be that someone they know that's sick. It might be someone that needs to know that Jesus is with them right at that moment. Um, that they know that that season of Jesus coming is actually Jesus coming for their friends and for their family as well. Sometimes uh, we've had we've had people who've been in real real problems, but we didn't know about it. And then the children would write the name of that person, um, and we would then text the person and say, "Oh, the kids prayed for you this evening um, on their Advent prayer tree." And then they'd be like, "Oh, that's really amazing." So actually, I'm going through a really hard time at work, and it's really good to know that God is. God is with me in it and that actually that they knew before uh, before even they'd managed to communicate with us as the grown-ups in the family. So as you're as you're doing this thing I love that you say you texted them to say that you're praying for them does that help your kids see Jesus coming into people's lives? Oh yeah totally so we have always so where we pray for someone especially if it's a bit random and we haven't met seen that person in a little while we do then go back to that person and say our kids are praying and it encourages our kids but it encourages the person and actually it introduces especially if that person is not maybe full of faith and actually if for example my dad isn't a believer and so if we then send a text saying oh yeah the kids prayed for you he's like oh that's lovely and it sort of surprises him but it does open an interesting faith conversation between him and his grandchildren which I really like as well. 
So I, I love this idea, the activity that they had sort of set up for themselves. But there's one question that keeps coming up when people talk about intercession or praying for other people is um, how does that integrate with chat and catch? In Parenting for Faith, we talk a lot about chatting and catching to God, a way of teaching our kids to pray that's informal and very personal. And if you want to know more about that, head to our website uh, and just type in chat and catch and and there's a a simple tool that will introduce you to it. But it's a way of enabling our kids to not get stuck on formulas and have a real authentic relationship with God. And often it comes up, how do we um, allow our kids to have that informal, casual talk to God about everything and hear what he's saying in a way that also means we can pray for other people genuinely and sort of, I guess, bring our requests to God? How do those two interact? And so I asked James and Susie this question. I think the family prayer prayer thing, that well, their the Advent prayer trees or whatever it is that they're doing that year, that day, actually does in, allow for encounter because... If you then say to they they put a name or something on there. Sometimes they'll put one of their their siblings on there, and then actually you can get them to ask God a question for their sibling, or you can say, "Oh, what does God feel about your sibling who's right here?" He, you can even do it for people that obviously aren't in the room. So, what if they're praying for Granny? Then you can say, "Oh, what does God say for Granny?" Um, and then and then by asking them what God says for Granny, so what does God say for you? Um, but what's fascinating is they drive it so um, they you know we'll set it up and we'll think oh they're going to lose interest after week one like I often do but actually (laughs) they're the ones like every Milton like where's the prayer tree let's who's got the people who are we going to pray for today like they love it they love something about something about the systematic nature of prayer that they just buy into because it's it's just appealing to them to have this kind of way of of doing it so So yeah talk to me about the inter the interplay and I think a lot of people struggle with this between chat and catch that real informal just telling God how you feel and and hearing what he's saying and a more formal sort of intercession prayer activity thing and people sometimes see them as opposites Mm. how how do they actually interact with each other the sort of two different types of prayer you see I would say they're one they actually lead on from one another they aren't about uh, oh here we are we're praying for other people and here we are we're praying for other people we're praying for ourselves or we're praying to God. Because if you are... So when I'm walking down the street, I'm thinking about things that I'm chatting to God about, but then also a person will pop in my brain and I'll intercede for that person. So hmm. the same is true when you're sitting at the dinner table when you're doing some chat and catch or you're doing the prayer sticks or whatever it is that you're doing. And then actually it might be that you catch your kid at bedtime and you pray together about that thing or they'll come and find you at a different point in the day. Um I think one of the funniest things is when the kids take the initiative for themselves to use one of the structures that we've set up. So we have a we have a blackboard wall where we put people's names of, that we are praying for, and uh, it's always hilarious when I sit down to breakfast and look across at the wall and find that there's uh, some scrawly handwriting that has, that has majestically appeared a number of names that uh, we hadn't put on there ourselves. All spelt uh, wrong. <laughs> all spelt wrong and wiggly. And actually, people love it as well when they come to our home and they see, actually, that's a board that isn't just there for, you know, for parents that are trying to encourage their kids to do stuff, but the kids are actually engaging with it of their own, which is exciting. I love how they describe chat and catch interacting and being an extension 
and part of interceding for other people. And so however you choose to do Advent, whether you go big, whether you go small, whether you've never done it before, as you enter Christmas, uh, I would just encourage you to explore with your kid in whatever size you want to of just how they can express their hearts to God and out of their expression to God of the genuineness of them and what's on their minds, they can begin to really ask him for the things that are on their heart for themselves and for other people um, as Jesus comes into our families together. It's question time. Uh, we had a great question come in through our email. Uh, if you want to uh, contact us and ask a question, please feel free to email or tweet. But uh, today's question is this. My husband and I are Christians and we are raising our five-year-old. Our son is from my previous marriage. Dad is an atheist. He allows us to take him to church and attend kids' church on a Sunday, but doesn't like us praying with him or living out what the Bible teaches in our daily life. How do we as parents find that balance between living our Christian life as Jesus followers as a family and not offending our son's dad and how to avoid stressing our son out when his dad says Jesus isn't real, God isn't real. We would appreciate some tried and tested approaches when it comes to blended families. We're the only blended family in our church, so we haven't gotten anyone to ask on our doorstep. First of all, thank you so much for asking the question. It's an important question. There are many parents out there like you uh, who have the same question, and uh, and so I'm going to try to answer it the best I can. But just a reminder, this is just my answer. It's not the best answer in the history of the world. Uh, it's just the answer I've gleaned from working with many blended families. Uh, so what we often find uh, with blended families is that uh, the fear that the unbelieving uh, ex-partner has often is not so much about faith, but is much more about control. Uh, and so when uh, we are worried about the our ex-partner um, being stressed about how much faith we have in our family, it's, it's often because they are feeling uh, like they don't want their child to be controlled or forced to have faith or forced to go to church or forced to believe something. And so they are protective of their child in being controlled or pushed into something they're not comfortable in. And so um, this is where Parenting for Faith can really uh, strengthen the way a blended family works because um, things like creating windows into our life and being more open just as parents, as people who walk with God, um, creating windows into our lives to say, hey, this is what it looks like for me and framing for our kids saying, you know, hey, this is this is the way I see the world with God. Um, all of that is a non-control technique. We're not saying, hey, you kid must do this or do that. We're saying, this is what it looks like for me. This is what life with God looks like for me. And it's a great open way of sharing our faith with our kids without pushing that button that makes our ex-partners feel like we're controlling the kids. So some of that is really just pushing into those those tools of parenting for faith, that creating windows and framing and, and learning to live our lives quite openly and authentically in front of our kids. Um, it also means 
uh, that as we begin to open that bit, um, we're also inviting our kids to find their own journey with faith rather than laying out a set of beliefs and behaviors that they need to conform to. So we in Parenting for Faith often talk about chatting and catching and unwinding wrong views of God. All of this tools that you can find on the website and through the course uh, is all about really enabling our kids to go on their own journey and for us to coach them on that rather than drag them through a sort of religious set of hoops, um, which is a, is a really helpful approach, again, for a, an ex-partner um, who's worried about so, someone controlling their child into religion. Um, if we can say to our partner, hey, I mean, I'm, we're living our life and we're letting them see what it looks like for me and we're inviting them to try it for themselves, but in no way do we force them uh, to, to do anything. Um, we're just creating opportunities for them to try it if they want to. Um, and enables that sort of lightness of coaching that I think other people who don't believe um, can become more comfortable with. Uh, the second part of that question, uh, which I think is interesting, is, is how do we explain it to our kid and how do we not make our kids stressed out by putting him in the middle of having, you know, his dad say God isn't real and us saying God is very real. And uh, I've worked with a lot of kids from blended families and it is not as complicated as we've feel like it should be uh, because there's lots of things that dad does that's different than mom and and that is just a part of having two parents and so it's in how we explain it that we can add stress or reduce stress and so one way we can explain it is to to let our kids talk about it and say you know it can be confusing when daddy says god isn't real and and we say god is real and and i know it's really tough to try to to walk that journey sometimes it's tough to explain what we can't see now i know that god is real because I talk to him and he talks to me and I feel him in everyday life and I and I every every day I experience God in some way and so I absolutely know he's real but your daddy hasn't had that experience with God and I don't think I could live without God and he is such a big part of my life and your daddy's on his journey and it's up to him and, and God to go on whatever journey that he's on and you can feel free to talk to your dad about what he thinks and why he thinks that and I'll talk to you about how I feel about that. Welcome to the wild card section. Now this section is a wild is a wild card and sometimes it's like really like books that we've done anyways today is a is a hmm it's a it's a I was sitting around thinking and I'm not even sure if this is like a real thing but this is this is what is dropping out of my head today I was at Bolton Abbey uh, which is a beautiful abbey out in the middle of nowhere and I was just sitting there um chatting to God and watching the stream go by waiting for my husband and some kids to play someplace and uh and I was just I was just sitting there and all of a sudden I heard some crying like this baby just wailing you know in the sort of like pay attention to me mom thing you know the kid was you know maybe 10 months old and was just crying and crying and crying and and you're and I normally hear the cry and then you hear the parent fix the cry you know it's it, it was one of those like pay attention to me cries where you do something about it 
And so the time sort of went by that the cry should have been attended to. And and the cry wasn't being attended to. And it, it had gone on, not really long, but, you know, you know that sort of 45-second thing where you're like, woo, is, is that okay? So I, I turn around, I'm looking around, trying to identify where this baby is that seems to not be getting attended to. And I see this um, this buggy and this baby in it, very safe, you know, safely strapped, very warm, you know, looking, no, nothing wrong with the baby, just an annoyed child. And in front of the buggy was a woman um, who's obviously a Muslim who had a, a prayer mat out and was doing her prayers. And I, I found it absolutely fascinating because there was this child who wanted the mother's attention and yet the mother was doing her prayers and she was kneeling and she was bowing and she was she was doing how she does her prayers while ignoring the child and the child wasn't in any danger there was nothing there was no negligence going on i was just fascinated by the choice i i almost went over to be like hey do you want me to like calm the baby while you're doing your thing like you know team or something and i i i just i i didn't because I, it challenged me actually it really challenged me because i think in most of our circles in christian circles in the middle of us praying, we would then go, oh, the baby needs something. And we'd pick up the baby and we would, we would share our attention with God, with the baby. And we talk a lot in parenting of faith about how you can do both. And now you can chat to God while, you know, bouncing baby on your shoulder. And it just, it just struck me for a moment what a testimony this was to her kid of her priorities there was a moment where she says to her kid, it wasn't for long, it wasn't like 10 minutes, it was just for a little bit of her prayers, she was saying to her kid, God absolutely gets my attention right now. And I know you want it, but God gets it right now. And it it really struck me as how often do I do that? How often when I'm worshiping at church, do I turn to my kid who's, who's pulling on my shoulder and say, actually, no, right now, this is totally God's time. And I understand you have a question and you're just going to have to wait because this is when God gets my full face. And that doesn't have to happen all the time, but how often do I ever have those opportunities where I tell my kid, God has my full attention right now. And it is all about him. It just challenged me because in our family, we often say, well, my kid came up with this because, you know, I was always, always like when kid comes home and I'm like, you know, hey, tell me about your day. And he's like, well, I want to do this or that or that. And I'm like, no, hey, family comes first, you know, tell me, share everything that's in your heart. And once he turned to me and he was like, um, no, family comes second. And, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, he's like, God comes first. I was like, that is totally true. God comes first, family comes second. So the phrase in our family has now become family comes second, uh, which is very bizarre when you're in public and you're like, hey, how are you? And then he wants to do something else. I'm like, hey, family comes second. And we look like this really bizarre family that has a phrase family comes second, but family comes second because God comes first. And we say that and we say that in our family, that's a phrase that we have, but how often do I actually model that in front of my kid? How often do I make that choice? Not all the time, but, but in those occasions, do I say, 
this is what it looks like for God to come first in my life, in my moment, in my time. It was just a challenge. It was a challenge I had. And uh, it may not be a challenge for you at all. You may have worked out this balance beautifully, but it was a, a personal thing that I'm, I'm still chewing around what it looks like for me. Because uh, sometimes in our Parenting for Faith journeys, it takes us a while to land somewhere and we chew something over for a long time. So what are you chewing over in your life? And your question to uh, start an interesting conversation with your kid, uh, thinking back to James and Susie's uh, way they do Advent, why not ask your kid, who in our life really needs Jesus to come into it and why? Have a really good week. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.